What you are about to listen to could be dangerous for anyone wishing to live a normal, safe life at the end of a cheesy cul-de-sac. Back to Jerusalem podcasts are not made in sterile recording studios with professional DJs, but instead behind enemy lines with horrible acoustics, bad internet connections, and suspicious-looking coffee. Listening to Back to Jerusalem podcast could include unwanted side effects like selling your house, leaving your boring job, and uncontrollable desires to speak strange foreign languages. So buckle up, strap in, and hold on, because this is Fast Train, baby, to all those places your mother warned you about. And now, for your host, the man known for having a radio face, Eugene Bach, coming to you live on delay in 5, 4, 3, 2... We're excited to be talking about China's role in missions, at least from one vantage point. And uh, so, take it back, David, or is Eugene going to introduce himself? Or Yeah, sure. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, Eugene, and uh, let us know who in the world you are. <laughs> Well, for those of you that are not familiar with um, myself, I'm Eugene Bach. Uh, I'm living here in Asia, um, talking to you live right now from Hong Kong. And I work together with uh, Back to Jerusalem. Uh, Back to Jerusalem is a Chinese movement. I'm sure that most of the people that might be watching this uh, know about the movement, uh, may not know about the organization. But in case you don't, it is probably one of the largest mission movements of our lifetime of Chinese that are focused on leaving China and taking the gospel into that last frontier, that final corridor between the Great Wall of China and the Western Wall of Jerusalem. So uh, I am uh, the troublemaker-in-chief with our friends in uh, arms here in China. All right, everybody. It sounds like uh, Eugene needs some props for the troublemaker-in-chief. Now, is it true that on the back of your business card, it actually says troublemaker-in-chief? It actually says troublemaker-in-chief as my <laughs> as my official title in my emails as well as my business card. We could not come up with a, any title, and uh, nobody has titles. With anyone that we work with, no one has a title. We don't have CEOs. We don't have directors. We don't have um, – yeah, everybody does everything. So um, – even the people that we work with, we were just talking about this. Uh, the the Chinese that were traveling together with us in Thailand uh, earlier last week, and uh, how your wife had referred to one of them, asked if you know he was a pastor, and I said actually we don't. None of the people that we really work with refer to themselves as pastor. It's always brother or sister, such and such. So uh, huh. that that is that is pretty much the norm with most of the people that we work together with here in China. That's, uh, you know, that's one of the things we're, we're going to get into. I want you to share a little bit more maybe about the history that uh, knows all about it, too. Steve, actually, the Silk Road Catalyst, uh, refers to it as the Silk Road where blocks of unreached Buddhist and unaffiliated blocks reside and that's the vision of the Back to Jerusalem movement before you get into that Eugene and maybe share a little bit of that history uh, I wanted to point out what you just said it is amazing the humility of the underground church and church leadership 
you mentioned just the other day when we were sitting together in Thailand, how a pastor friend had come from the West. He wanted to meet these big, amazing leaders of the, of the top, big five, the leadership in China. And he's like, when am I going to get a chance to meet these, these pastors? And you said, oh, I forgot to introduce you. He's carrying your bags. And that humility really shines through, wouldn't you say, in the Chinese church? Yeah, absolutely. I didn't get everything that you said. It seems that we are dropping you a little bit, David. Um, but uh, the gist of it is, yes, we, the people that we are working with are, are extremely humble. The pastor you, you were talking about, that's uh, uh, Pastor Billy Humphrey of um, IHOP Atlanta, the International House of Prayer Atlanta. He had traveled with me to China, and he was really excited about meeting some of the underground house church pastors. And we were together in a city called Human. And he asked, so when are we going to be able to meet with these guys? And I said, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Actually, you've already met one. He's carrying your bags. And, uh, and he, after the trip, he just stopped and he said, you know what? I thought I understood servanthood. I've written about servanthood. I've preached on servanthood. And to be honest, I haven't even scratched the surface. Wow. Now, um, by the way, am I coming through okay? Can you you're, guys you're hear my feet all right? All right. Excellent. Sorry. So I'm calling uh, uh, in from Arizona. Uh, hopefully we'll continue with a good feed. But um, Eugene, why don't you introduce for us, for those who don't know, what is the Back to Jerusalem movement? Where did it start? How did it start? And then Steve um, maybe could share some of his uh, thoughts on that afterward. Well, uh, the Back to Jerusalem movement is an indigenous vision of the Chinese underground house church. It started in the early 1900s. Uh, it started in two separate locations that we've been able to identify independently. Uh, one is an independent vision from Hunan province, and one is an independent vision from Shandong province. Both the same idea, which is taking the gospel from China into the areas between China and Jerusalem, not going directly to Jerusalem, selling knickknacks made in China in the old town of Jerusalem, but rather preaching from country to country, village to village, and person to person. That is the essence of the Back to Jerusalem vision, and it's been going on now for a while. Um, though, it, though it hit a huge hiccup in 1949 with the uh, revolution that took place, and then, of course, the cultural revolution and the persecution, but has really stirred the Chinese as of recently. And now we are seeing this amazing focal point. Now, the Back to Jerusalem vision is not this new Coca-Cola of Christianity for China. It's not a new word that is kind of hip for 2016. Rather, it is the Great Commission. It's, it's, it's that final part of the Great Commission. We like to joke, as I was telling you there in Thailand, uh, that we call it the Great Commission with Kung Pao flavor. That the Chinese have a vision to continue on that westward movement from China all the way back to Jerusalem. Now, Steve, you've been hearing all about this. What are your thoughts on the Back to Jerusalem movement? How has it impacted Silk Road Catalyst? I mean, I've heard about it from for a long time now. So, I mean, for us, I mean, we're involved in training uh, Chinese right now, uh, preparing them to, to head along the Silk Road, as we like to call it. Uh, we, we take the perspective of um, 
approaching it from a business's missions or tip making perspective in our training of them. I am curious because of uh, the work you're involved in and the, the networks you're connected to in China, how many B2J missionaries do you think or believe are out there already? Um, how many are being trained across the country? Uh, have you come across? That is an interesting question. I get it all the time. And here's one important uh, thing to understand about Back to Jerusalem. I've never met you, Steve, and you're working on this Silk Road initiative, to, uh, which is basically the, the, the same idea as uh, uh, Back to Jerusalem. There are so many people that we do not work with that are also focused on Back to Jerusalem. It's not an organization. Though we do have an organization called Back to Jerusalem, it is a vision. It's not owned by any denomination. It's not uh, uh, monopolized by any great name. Even though we work together with uh, Brother Yun, who's known as the Heavenly Man, he is a spokesperson, but not the spokesperson. So when I speak about the people that I'm familiar with that are in training right now for Back to Jerusalem, the vision, and for those that are ab abroad, those are the only the ones that I am familiar with or have been exposed to. Um, and those, I would say, um, for, for the ones that I have been exposed to are several hundred, probably more than a thousand that are abroad today outside of China. Not a big number when considering the, the main vision, which is to send out more than 100,000 people. Uh, so they're about 1% there. Uh, but that's only what I've been able to see. It's probably much greater than that. I would not uh, in any way say that uh, we are the authority on, on pinning that figure. That is a wild guess. And it's only from the number of people that we've been exposed to that are outside. For those that are training inside of China, we've come across thousands um, of all the five major networks, uh, the traditional networks, when we talk about the, the, old, uh, the old hat of the Senum Fellowship, I work with those pastors on a regular basis when we're talking about truth or blessing out of Anhui province or um, China Gospel Fellowship out of Hunan province or um, No Name Group out of Hunan province. Uh, these groups... Um, uh, are, are really solid on focusing on back to Jerusalem. But to be honest, I'm seeing a lot of urban churches that are jumping on board uh, recently. So they, they know very little about the Back to Jerusalem vision, but they've heard about it, and they're excited about it. Uh, I was in uh, Zhengzhou speaking at uh, an unofficial church, but it wasn't hidden. It was, it was uh, uh, very open, uh, had a big old fat cross outside, had pews inside, and the, the church was packed, and it was just people that were hungry about, for sending uh, individuals uh, into the area between China and Jerusalem. In fact, last month, or no, I'm sorry, it was the beginning of this month, there was a business, a, a factory owner from Shenzhen. I've never met him before. He just got saved last year. He opened up his factory to over 300 businessmen from all over China, and their, prior, their priority was to focus on how to use business to send Chinese Christians into the area of the 1040 window, the area between China and Jerusalem. So, I mean, it's growing all the time. Those numbers are growing all the time. My numbers are really bad. Any number that I can give you will be argued on one side or the other. It's just a rough guess, a rough estimate. But I would say, uh, with a very conservative heart, more than a thousand are abroad today, and several thousand uh, in training today.
That's the thing about the Back to Jerusalem movement, isn't it? I mean, this has been around since, what, the 1920s? The original vision that was given to the indigenous church, to the Chinese church. And they have latched onto it as a local-led vision. Of course, there's been facets that's moved here and there. And that's the beauty of it. Basically, at the heart of it, I see that Chinese know that the gospel went from when Jesus was on the earth, it went in a western direction, it went through the Europe's, it went from parts of northern Africa around to uh, the Americas, it went and finally arrived into Asia 100, 150 years ago, a little bit more, even with the uh, uh, Spaniards coming across the, the oceans. And now the Chinese feel like it's not that they we're passing the baton to the Chinese and say, okay, your job, buddy. But it, they know that they are now the, an integral part of taking the gospel back through these unreached, unengaged Islamic, Buddhist, animist blocks of people. And I think that's the heart of it and the beauty of how, um, though you may call yourself by a different name within Reach Global, Silk Road Catalyst, back to Jerusalem, the vision remains that we want to see every tongue, nation, tribe standing before the throne. That's exciting. And we do have a couple of questions here coming in on the side here, right? Josh says, um, is there a church planting movement connected with this? Or is there, or is it more uh, evangelism focused or discipleship? Is that to me? Um, sure. We'll make this an open forum. <laughs> oh, Okay. Uh, I mean, from from our perspective, uh, we would love to give you a a, a very clear five point plan, uh, a a church planting effort with a handbook, um, but that's just not the way it is uh, for the people that we are serving. By the way, we serve uh, back to Jerusalem. We serve the the leadership of the underground house church in China primarily. We also work with the the official church inside of China. But when we're talking about the Back to Jerusalem vision, that is the, the, the main effort, the main thrust is coming from the Underground House Church. We serve at their leisure, so we're not administrating it. We're not uh, controlling the logistics of it. We are serving them where they say that they need the most help. And uh, at the moment, it is extremely messy. It is violently messy. Um, there, there's really no main spokesperson, no main control, no main head, no, no handbook. Um, and I have a great fear of trying to bring it under control in any way. Right now there is this, uh, and it has been this way for a while, uh, a, a number of people that are ready to go out of China for the primary purpose of evangelism. Once they get settled in, in places that we've been working in for a while, places like Nepal, places like Cambodia, places like Sudan, um, we are seeing uh, church planting efforts. And there is, a, there is a very clear focus on doing evangelism and church planting, but it's not in a systematic format in a way that we would say, okay, well, this is, this is uh, chapter one that we're seeing here. And in a couple of years, we'll be able to see the Chinese operating according to chapter 15 of this of this handbook that I can share with people. So yes, there, there is a church planting effort. There is a discipleship uh, component. Um, uh, the, we have a training school, a Back to Jerusalem training school. I just went to the graduation uh, last week in the Philippines before I came and met with you, David. And yes. uh, they, they, when they go through that 
when they go through that training school, um, they are doing it very much like the books of book of Acts. The training school has three different phases. The second and third phase is church planting, where they go out. The, huh. They go out in teams. The Chinese teams go out. They do church planting in unreached areas of Mindoro and Mindanao Island. They come back. Uh, after about two weeks and they talk about what went right what went wrong what they can do better and then they go back out and they do it again so it's a very practical application on the job training if you will either you can do it or you can't it's not so much the regurgitation of information taking an exam at the end of the day and then getting a certificate that says congratulations you've graduated but more of a very practical on the job training of can you do it can you not and then from that school they are sent to the field everyone that is on that team that is training in the philippines right now at that school they go from uh, the philippines that team is going from the philippines to iran and iraq so if that makes wow. sense at all, I hope that answers the question. But um, if uh, if that makes sense at all, there's there's not a clear cut answer for that. There's not a, a cookie cutter answer that we can give for that. But that's probably the closest that we can get. Is that yes, there is a church planning component. Yes, there is evangelism. Yes, there is discipleship. But no, it is not in any recorded, uh, coordinated um, training or or a part of of any. Uh, curriculum that we can point to. I, I like how you mentioned that because you, you realize this is a bigger picture. And I, I remember being told this by my mentor in China, Chuck Lenhart, always used to tell me, David, remember, in the end, you're a small part of the big thing God is doing. Some of us might end up being bigger small parts than others, but uh, I know that all of us, as we fulfill this vision and help to stand behind the underground church, stand behind the uh, three self church and propel and thrust them forward to fulfill this vision. We're a small part of the big thing. And I love to hear your passion, the shared it's you can share it. It's it's a uh, it's something it's a vision. It's a passion that, yes, it's probably just a new name. But in the end, it's called the Great Commission. And by the way, on that note. It's the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion. Right, guys? And uh, I love how I was just yesterday at Axco Printing, a printing company here in Chiang Mai, Thailand. It prints millions of Bibles. I'm the social media and marketing director there. I ran across this new book. The cover said, Serve Now, Procrastinate Later. That was the title of this new book that came out. And uh, that's at the heart, I think, of the Back to Jerusalem movement. And all that you guys are doing, serve now. Let's let's find our place. What can we do to empower the Chinese? Let's procrastinate later. Maybe once we get to heaven and see all these tribes and nations uh, standing before the throne. So, um, Steve, do you have any other questions or thoughts you'd like to point out um, or, or run by everyone? I do have a question that came up to mind as you were as you were talking, Eugene, and. So in the past, I've heard, and it's it's been several years since I've heard this, but uh, in the past, I've heard um, some within the B2J movement believe that Westerners should not be engaged in missions, that they need to pass the baton um, 100% to the Chinese church and then let the Chinese church take it from there. Um, I... I I'm a guessing you've heard of that or you've you've heard people say that. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. 
Yeah, I mean, we work with all kinds. I mean, we work with people that are, you know, from the very charismatic, um, uh, you know, Pentecostal movements uh, down in, I mean, one of the main guys who runs our office and back to Jerusalem in the U.S. is Mennonite. So we work very much with the Mennonite Namish. Uh, so, and everything in between. So we get a lot of ideas. Uh, the body of Christ is so diverse from our perspective. Um, back to Jerusalem may not even be about the Chinese uh, in, in the future. It may be, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing a huge movement taking place in uh, Iran where, the, where revivals are taking place and the Chinese are connecting with the, the Iranian church. It may be that the Iranians might be that link between Asia and the Arab brothers that are that is that last kind of war front uh, between China and Jerusalem. Uh, I really, for from my perspective, I'm glad that they. I mean, I'm not Chinese, uh, so I'm I'm very happy that I can be a part of this this movement. Um, I, I I really believe that the movement of God is on this side of the globe right now, and uh, I'm happy that they let me play in the sandbox. But it's not a it is not an outsourcing movement of okay well we got resources in the west and so therefore we're going to send resources and and get the chinese to go to the places that we don't want to go to um it is not a racially um uh protected movement of well we got the chinese that are serving and this is their time now they're going to do the great commission all by themselves i see this more as a a, a new uh, ground unit that is being plugged in for the very first time in one of the most populated nations on earth. And these are our brothers and sisters that are now jumping into the trenches on the front lines, standing shoulder to shoulder with us, ready to take the gospel into the, the, the darkest areas on earth. So from my perspective, personally, I'm not the voice of Back to Jerusalem, so I can't speak for everybody. I, I would never assume that. Um, I, like, like David had said, I'm just a little bitty, small, 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 small part of a very small fraction of what's taking place. But from my perspective, this is um, just another group that is joined into the Great Commission, and they have a vision called back to Jerusalem, and it involves all nations, tongues, and races. What is beautiful about the Chinese, and I don't mean to hit on any other races, but one of the beautiful things about the Chinese is that they're not going in building up Chinese communities and telling the people in Afghanistan or Pakistan that you have to look Chinese, act Chinese, and believe like the Chinese believers, but they are serving the local churches where they are at and encouraging the local churches. In fact, in Sudan, um, we are able to work together with the Sudanese to plant different businesses to help those churches and um, to encourage the church leadership in Sudan. So the Chinese is encouraging the church leadership to take leaders, uh, leadership of their, of their churches as well as the, the, the way that they support themselves uh, in that area. And that's just about a week ago I was working together with them talking about that. And that's the one thing that they want to do that, hey, if we have to leave from here, they're good. They're, they're, we're just the scaffolding. So um, I guess that's a long way of saying we don't see it as a racially exclusive vision that only involves the Chinese and nobody else. God forbid that would exclude me. And I want to have fun, too. <laughs> we all want to play in the sandbox, yes. right? <laughs> Here we are three Caucasian men talking about the Back to Jerusalem movement that originated in China. That's the beauty, again, of it, right? 
This yeah. is a God perspective. This is a God calling. And, and I love that. Can you perhaps give everyone who's watching live, who's going to catch the replay, by the way, I'm going to pause right there before I ask this question and say, if you're liking what you're uh, hearing, what you're watching, go ahead and click that button over there on the top left is the orange one that says share the last 30 seconds. Uh, it'll show up right on your Twitter account, on your Facebook account, wherever you're able to share and uh, tell your friends about what's what's going on here. We're also going to give you a few more links of future shows coming up here on the Missions Lab. Uh, we'll do that momentarily. But Eugene, I wanted to ask you, can you give us one example of some great breakthrough or impact you've seen? It doesn't necessarily need to be in China, but something that you've seen in the Back to Jerusalem uh, uh, organization, Back to Jerusalem movement, uh, what has been real impactful that you've seen recently? Well, I, 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 I'm, I don't know if this uh, is recently, but it's, uh, it, it definitely played a big part for me, and it, and it relates directly to Back to Jerusalem. Um, I was in a place called Liu Panshui, which is in um, oh, yeah. Guangxi province, or I'm sorry, Guizhou province, and uh, we yep, were doing I've a humanitarian there. project, and I was there when you know there were no, there was not one other foreigner in the entire city. They, they had me stay at the hospital, so I lived at the hospital because the hotels would not take me. Uh, during that time, you, uh, foreigners had to stay at only registered hotels that were registered for foreigners. Yep. I'm sure you remember that, David. Um, but, yeah. uh, during that time, no, ho I wasn't allowed to stay at any of the hotels when I was doing humanitarian projects, so the government had me stay at the hospital. So I was staying at the hospital, <laughs> wow. and uh, some of the doctors and nurses, they wanted to practice their English, and so... Uh, that night, I really felt the move to share with them about the Back to Jerusalem vision. Now, this was about 15 years ago. And um, uh, when I was sharing with them about the Back to Jerusalem vision, um, it, it was getting to be about midnight, and there was an older lady. She was in her 80s. Um, she stood up, and she said, you don't know me, but I'm the granddaughter of Pastor Jean, which is the pastor who led Shanghai Check to the Lord. He was also the pastor of the Jesus family, and they, of course, the, the Back to Jerusalem vision partially comes out of the Jesus family. So you had the Back to Jerusalem traveling band, you had the Northwest group, and then you also had the Jesus family. And so the Jesus family uh, was run by Pastor Gene and his, his father, and Pastor Gene was the father of this older lady who stood up, and she said, when I was a young girl, she said, I can remember the persecution that my family went through because of this vision for Back to Jerusalem. She goes, the, the government killed my father. They killed my grandfather. I was not able to go to school, and I, was, I, was, um, uh, I got a lot of persecution for a religion that I didn't even accept for myself. So she said, when I got older, I decided to do everything exactly the way the government wanted me to do it. I married a government official. I participated in the government uh, uh, programs. And she goes, but now I'm in my 80s. And I remember very clearly the words of my father and my grandfather. And now I have somebody who's not from my generation, not from my country, doesn't speak my language as a mother tongue, and yet you are talking about the exact same vision as my, my grandfather and my father. They might have been able to kill my father. They might have killed my grandfather, but they could not kill the vision. I might be in my 80s, but, and I might have wasted most of my life, but I will not remain silent for one, one day more. And she said that from that day on, she was going to start sharing the gospel with everybody she could. 
And I think that that is the essence of the Back to Jerusalem vision. That even though we see lives taken, even though we see people imprisoned, that actually is even more of a catalyst for this amazing message of light that we carry. And, and today, by the way, we have so many people in northern Iraq that we're working together with that are living in one of the darkest regions of the world. And uh, as well as in one of the places that I'm hoping that we can talk about maybe just briefly. I'm hoping I'm not taking up too much of your time. But in also North Korea. These places are dark and they need the light of the gospel. And it's so great to stand shoulder to shoulder with brothers and sisters in China that are willing to share this word, not just from a, a, uh, a mental idea and understanding, but from a heart perspective of a people group that has been persecuted for a couple generations now. And they can say, you know what, brother, sister in North Korea, brother and sister in northern Iraq, I know what it's like to be persecuted. I know what it's like to go through what you're going through. And I want to share what brought me through these hard times. Wow. That I can hear the emotion in your voice as you talk about that story. It feels like you're almost there. It's palpable, that memory. And she was an amazing lady. An amazing lady. And, and the world may never even know her name, know her face. She, uh, that's what I love about it. It's the faceless, nameless ones who are pivotal in taking this message back, the, the message of the light of the gospel. And um, that, that's just powerful. Steve, do you have a, a thought about that? But we also have other questions coming in here as well. And by the way, we have time here on the Missions Blab. That's the beauty of the Missions Blab. There's no set time. We could go on for as long as we want. And we want to get into um, Brother Yoon's UK tour. But Steve, I just cut you off there. Do you have any thoughts? Actually, I don't. I, I think you summed it up pretty well after he spoke. Are you, you can feel are the you passion. The, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have to make it up somehow because I'm the only one, it seems, that I don't have a sexy microphone. Uh, so I, yeah, I, have well. to, I have to somehow make up for, for the, the listeners to listen if they're, or at least watch if they're watching me because I don't have the, I don't, I, I don't have the, 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 the microphone that you guys have. Or the red yeah. headphones that David has. <laughs> yes, or the red headphones. <laughs> That's right. But don't you have a dead cat on your computer right now on microphone? I do, yes. Uh, let me see. Okay. Yes. Okay, there we have it, folks. This may or may not end up on the Back to Jerusalem podcast. We'll see how epic it is and how much editing needs to be done. <laughs> we never edit our podcast. We never edit our podcast, and we will put this up depending on how uh, it, it turns out. We're, I'm outside, and it's windy, so my, my dead cat head should be able to calm down the wind. And I'm recording this conversation in the most redneck way possible, laying this recorder on top of the speaker. So, <laughs> Well... Not only do we have two Caucasian guys talking about back to Jerusalem, we got two rednecks and uh, and some man. I'm not one of them. I'm just in oh. redneck bill. Oh, really? Okay. I was definitely confused about that reality there. So, uh, well, why don't we move into this? Uh, Brother Yoon is headed out on tour, and this is something you've been involved with, with him uh, for, for many years. Uh, he's headed to the U.K., and he's going to be going on tour, I think, in like one week from today. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, it will start on June 9th. Um, and okay. uh, it will go for 10 days until the until the 19th. We will depart from the U.K. on the 19th, our last meeting being on the 18th of June. So that will go uh, 
Uh, so you'll be hitting how many cities in the UK? I think altogether we hit about seven different cities. Now, you were just in my hometown, Prescott, Arizona, uh, last year, I believe, or was that about a year and a half ago? I wasn't there. Yeah, some, some, it was around that time frame. Maybe it was about a year ago. might have been about a year and a half ago. I think your time timeline okay. is just right. Yep. Yeah, I was not there at the moment, but, um, you know, just to be able to hear the stories of a man who's experienced persecution firsthand and and china's shifted china's changing and there's new challenges in the church in fact we're having brent fulton of china source coming on on our missions blab i think next week one week from today he's going to be talking about china's urban christians this new uh struggles and new challenges that they have in the underground church may or may not always be persecution but now it could be the good problem to have, which is a growing church and difficulty in managing new converts and new believers. But to hear firsthand from someone who has experienced persecution, who has experienced uh, the difficulty of simply living as a Christian in a place that is uh, does not look highly upon that belief system um, is a powerful thing. So what are, what are some of the things you'd like to plug about the, the UK uh, tour that Brother Yoon is going to be sharing at. Well, I mean, one of the cool things about working with Brother Yoon is that he's always he's always ministering to other people, right? I work with a lot of different ministries, uh, a lot of well-known individuals around the world, and there are times where um, I, I think, and, and this is for my, including myself, you know, the work that I do, that is my evangelism. I think that we get into that mindset sometimes. Brother Yoon's not in that mindset. We can't have a stinking meal without the guy, you know, wanting to minister to the people that are serving us the meal. Uh, every Chinese restaurant, and I'm not kidding, this is not a joke. Every restaurant that we go to that is a Chinese restaurant, he will be ministering to the Chinese that are at that restaurant. And more times than not, have them on their knees uh, praying or giving their heart to Christ before we leave the restaurant. Everywhere that he goes, he's, always, he's, he's socially inept in that way. To the point where when we fly together, we fly economy. So he, he's, he's, he, he, he flies economy everywhere that he goes. And you know how the elbow room is in those 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 seats. Uh, he will sit. Yeah, some, some people would even describe that as a tube full of demons. So yeah. you've seen that trending video. Well, maybe. I will try to sit in a different place than him because he will always, he can't speak English, but he will try. Lord knows that he tries to say hallelujah and God bless you. You know, and all these English words that he knows. And... Um, and, and for me, there are places that are socially acceptable for the gospel and places that are not socially acceptable for the gospel. He doesn't have those barriers. And so he's ministering to everybody everywhere at all times. Uh, and so that is when you see him sharing in a church, that is who he is all the time. Um, the other thing that is important is that when he goes around the world, he is sharing, of course, about his story. A lot of people want to hear about his testimony. That's why a lot of people come out. But he always points people to Christ and to the lost of the world and the back to Jerusalem vision and how that is meeting the needs for those that have not yet heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And when he's on tour, we don't sell his book, The Heavenly Man. You cannot get okay. his book at any of our tables when we're, we are on tour. So for those that might think that he has an invested interest in that way, that is not the case. Also, Brother Yoon does not get one single penny from any of the meetings that we ever hold. And I've arranged all of his American meetings, all of his um, uh, UK meetings for the last uh, five to eight years. 
Um, every single one of them I've arranged, and not a single one of them uh, does he get a penny from any of them. And nor does he sell his books at those. So what is the focus? The focus is to share about the world that is in need between China and Jerusalem, uh, how we can help and be a part of that, and to raise resources specifically for that effort. So when we are in the UK, for instance, on this tour, 100% of everything that we raise, this includes book sales, book sales being the Back to Jerusalem books that we're printing, not the Heavenly Man book. Those, those, and those books share about the need between China and Jerusalem. Uh, the last one that we came out with is called Jesus in Iran. We have one coming out in okay. October, which is about specifically about uh, North Korea. Um, 100% of all the funds raised and all the book sales go to support in the UK for this tour will go towards um, reaching the people in North Korea. Awesome. Now, by the way, for those of you who don't know, backtojerusalem.com. You can see about exactly what Eugene is talking about, uh, this uh, ministry that's going to be taking place, Bibles being printed and or taken into the borders of North Korea. Again, we're talking about the hermit kingdom here and places that still in the 21st century, while you're posting selfies and updating your statuses, have never heard the name of Jesus Um and so I would encourage you head over to backtojerusalem.com, check out what he's talking about, what these uh, uh, tours are going to be actually promoting. Um, I think it's an exciting thing. There's so many There's so many more things we can keep talking about. Uh, we're getting into about 45 minutes now. I know we can keep going just because we're on simply pure passion and caffeine alone. Actually, I haven't even had any caffeine this morning yet, uh, so I'm I'm struggling here. My passion is waning. No, I'm just joking. But uh, any any last words, Steve, that you'd like to mention, and then I'll ask uh, Eugene to perhaps give a couple ways that people can connect with BackToJerusalem.com and uh, anything else that you'd like to plug there, buddy. Um, you know, I'm just curious about something. I understand if you are unable to talk about it, but. I was just curious, are you able to expound on anything going on in North Korea? Oh, man. Uh, right now, we are really excited. Uh, this is the first year that we've been able to work together with uh, underground house church pastors inside of North Korea. So for the wow. last 10 years, we've been working primarily with the Chinese uh, inside of North Korea. So we've been able to uh, deliver Bibles. The Bibles have become a little bit more of a challenge in the, in the uh, most recent uh, couple years. Uh, we, we had a much bigger opportunity to get Bibles in than what we have now. Um, however, there has been a transition because before we were mainly sending the Bibles in through North Korea, through the Chinese, uh, into North Korea through the Chinese. Uh, but now uh, we are able to do the distribution through 40 different churches. So we are connected with 40 different churches. This is the first time that we've ever been connected with that many churches. So we've now grown to 40. That sounds like a really small number when looking at you know the numbers in China, but that's huge for us uh, inside oh, of yeah. North Korea. And, it's huge um, for anyone in North Korea, I think, yeah. right? I, 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 I would think so. And um, we have, uh, we've seen so, several people come to Christ, and we know their individual stories just because there's so few of them. Um, and uh, we, like I said, we have a book that's coming out in October um, from one of the most... I don't want to say successful because that sounds a, a, a that doesn't sound like an adequate way to put it. But she was she 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 planted more churches in North Korea than anybody else that I'd ever met. 
uh, a phenomenal mm-hmm. uh, uh, evangelist from Northeast China. Um, she's the only person that I've ever met, period, uh, male or female, that has ever been in, in prison in North Korea and uh, came out of prison in North Korea only to be rearrested and taken to a secret female prison in China and then only to come out of that and then to survive a, uh, an assassination attempt um, from uh, oh. North Koreans. Uh, and it's, it's an amazing story. And assassination attempts from North Koreans in China is very real. As we saw last month, there was a pastor. Uh, if you look it up uh, or Google it or go to our, our website, we also write about it. There was a pastor that was, that was uh, assassinated by a hit team. A, a secret squad from North Korea. This is confirmed by the Chinese government uh, that came into China to try to stop this pastor because he was reaching so many refugees coming from North Korea into China. He was, uh, they were getting saved and going back into North Korea. So they killed him by, uh, by ha- hacking him in the face with a, with a knife, and then they stabbed him several times in the gut. But um, we have been able to start uh, several businesses uh, inside of North Korea. I can't go into details. Just the nature of those businesses would give them away. Uh, but uh, they have been able to be set up and used uh, where we've had uh, individual North Koreans that have uh, been hired by those companies that have made good friends with the Chinese and have come in and said, you know what, um, I, ha- I-, I have a problem today because somebody in my family is sick and the Chinese saying, let's pray for them. And those North Koreans coming back and saying, wow. I don't know who you prayed to or what that was about, but my family member is healed. Can you tell me more? Wow. And then seeing those individuals come to Christ. Um, the, during our time in the UK, we're raising money for the Bibles, but it's not just for Bibles. It's also for the methodology that we use to get those Bibles into North Korea. We can't give details about that, but for this time frame right now, we need about 75000 US dollars in order to do that project. Um, and that project involves several different links um, getting Bibles and resources to Christians in North Korea. And, and by the way, there's also um, a, uh, a government official who has just given their heart to Christ. And I can't give much, many details about that, but yes, uh, absolutely phenomenal. I was, I was rejoicing. That's new information just from a couple weeks ago. Um, and that was, that was, uh, that blessed my socks off. I mean, I was just really excited about that because I mean, that's kind of a home run for us. I mean, that's what we've been praying for. So to see that, to hear about it is exciting. This is what I love about what God is doing. The revival that China is undergoing, experiencing right now at the top of the food chain to the lowest of the caste systems, you are seeing life transformation from those who are living in urban settings and the big cities burgeoning with skyscrapers to those who are in agrarian landscapes in the rural countryside of China. People are, their lives are being transformed. And then beyond, not only on the periphery of the fringes of China's borders from North Korea to the stands, the Kazakhstan's, Uzbekistan's, but much farther beyond, uh, deeper into, well, like Eugene said, he just came back from Iraq about 10 days ago. And so there's amazing things happening. Again, lastly, I'd like to just say head on over to backtojerusalem.com. You can see where and when Brother Yoon uh, is going to be traveling around. Uh, Brother Yoon has a big name, perhaps a big face. His book is probably in the homes of millions of Christians around the world, mostly in the West, the heavenly man. But 
he alone would admit and attest to that he is not the central aspect of this uh, uh, movement, Absolutely. this vision either. Absolutely. At the central core of this is Jesus Christ, him crucified, raised from the dead, and that light shining, blasting out from people into the nations. Specifically, we're talking about those in China who have caught this vision and said, I'm going to go. I'm going to go anywhere and eat anything and sleep anywhere and do anything, whatever it takes to get the gospel to the hard places, by the way. We're not talking about places where you trip over 10 churches on the way to church on Sunday morning. We're talking about the Silk Road. That's where, Steve live. Lives. That's where Steve lives, yeah. And, and can I just also put this over? out there just really quick? If I can just yep. uh, end on this note, because I, I do really want to give props to um, the mission organizations uh, in, in the West that have that have been serving in China for so many years. We stand on their shoulders. The revivals that we see today are on the shoulders of those that came and didn't see squat for what they actually did. The sacrifices that they made, the homes that they left, the blood that they shed on the ground in, inside of China is, is exactly what we are reaping the fruit of today. I'm here during the easy time. I'm here during the good times. Yeah. I get to see what these dear brothers from way back in the day um, did. Uh, people like Nelson Bell, Bill, Billy Graham's father-in-law, who came in and... and you know, shed his blood, sweat, and tears for 25 years as a doctor in rural China. Uh, we stand on their shoulders. Uh, those missionaries that came and dedicated so much, that word never left China, even though the enemy tried to destroy it with communism in the 1949. And in fact, only from there did we start to see fruit of their efforts. And so uh, I just wanted to make sure that this, this idea of what's happening in China today is not thought of as a combustible miracle that came out of nowhere. It's actually a long, a long historical line of missionaries, of people that answered God's call. And I feel so honored to be able to be standing on their shoulders and see the fruit of, of what they, they did. Amen. And remember, the harvest is in the seed. Serve now, procrastinate later, keep sowing the seeds. You will be amazed that the harvest is sure to sprout up and flourish. So, um, look, Eugene, we're just so happy to have you. Uh, love your passion. Love what you're doing. And uh, excited to hear more things of what God is doing, the bigger picture, using infinitesimal misfits and ragamuffins like Steve and yourself. No, myself as well. And uh, we're just uh, so blessed by uh, having you on here on the Missions Lab today. Thank you so much. It's an honor. I agree. All right, you guys, I just stopped recording there. And um, we can keep chatting if somebody wants to call in. I uh, didn't get a lot of caller ins today, but I just think I'll end it right there for a good solid hour. There's a simple way for us to help ISIS victims. Drink tea. It's that simple. By drinking a cup of Back to Jerusalem Chinese tea, you will bring hope to the refugees displaced by ISIS. It is a healthy way to make a difference. So invite friends and family to your home for a Bible study round a warm pot of organic Chinese tea. Does your church have a cafe? Add Back to Jerusalem tea to the menu. All profits go to help ISIS victims in Iraq and Syria. My name is Jung, and I am an unashamed follower of Jesus Christ. 
It is considered quite dangerous for me to share the contents of this book, but these are stories that need to be told for God's glory and the encouragement of the church. So begins the extraordinary first-person account of a prominent leader of one of the largest underground churches in China. This dramatic true story is told in Back to Jerusalem's latest book, I Stand with Christ, by Eugene Bach. I Stand with Christ is a detailed account about a former Communist Party member who took a stand for his faith in Jesus and was targeted for prison, work camps, and torture. See how he goes from the prison cell of China's maximum security prison to leading one of the largest underground house churches of 10 million believers. Be amazed at this true story of suffering, sacrifice, and triumph. I Stand With Christ is available at www.backtojerusalem.com or where books are sold.